Welcome. Nope, that was too loud. (laughs) Too close to the mic. Welcome to the age of the danger room. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And this month, we're going to be taken over by an alternate universe danger room where I'm a swashbuckler. And I'm a a circus performer. Sure. We're different. Actually, for the age of the danger room, we're going to start covering Justice League. Oh, I am woefully unprepared. (laughs) Uh, All right. So to start with, how many members of the Justice League can you mention that are not Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman? Go. And okay. I'm, not, I'm not talking about Super Friends. Uh, so wait, we're talking about Justice League here? Okay, Green Lantern. No, Justice League Europe. Wait, what? <laughs> Just kidding. Is that, is that even a thing? I think there was a JLE and a JLA. I'm pretty sure. Isn't, uh, what about Guy Gardner? Is Who's he? I don't know who Guy Gardner is. Is he, uh, is he Blue uh, Beetle? I, that's, I, was, I was written right there. Blue Beetle. That was the next one I was going to name. Oh, that, except, except I kept thinking to myself, Beetle Bailey? No, that's not right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Adam and I, or at least me, I won't speak for Adam. Uh, John Johns, the Martian, Mar Hunt, Martian Martian Hunter, Martian Hunter, Mars Hunter. (laughs) We are, I am woefully uninformed about the whole DC universe. I mean, really, if you want to name the Justice League, all you have to do is think of the Avengers and then figure out who their (laughs) Their counterparts uh, are. DC counterparts are. (laughs) All right. right. No, seriously, we're going to. We're going to do the, the, the long-awaited, the once or twice times requested X-Men Apocalypse official trailer thing that we do. We will watch it and speculate, and I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just, uh, let's just get it out of the way. We're going to play the trailer. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about some stuff, and then we'll talk about some more stuff. Sounds good. Here we go. I saw the end of the world. I could feel all this death. Jean, it was just a dream. You wander through the willows in the forest you I've been called many things over many lifetimes. Ra, Krishna, Yahweh. Ever since the world found out about mutants, there have been secret societies who see them as some kind of second coming or sign of God. They believe that tens of thousands of years ago, an ancient being was born the world's first mutant. You are all my children, and you're lost. Because you follow blind leaders. But I am here now. I'm here for you. Wherever this being was, he always had four followers he would imbue with power. Like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He got that one from the Bible. Or the Bible got it from him. What is it? Oh, God. He can control all of us. The world needs the X-Men. That's why I'm here. To fight. Not all of us can control our powers. Then don't. This is war. Everything they built will fall! And from the 
the ashes of their world, we'll build a better one. I've never felt power like this before. I've never felt a trailer like that before. I didn't know Professor X was bald. Wait a second. I didn't know he wore suits either. Yeah, so there you go. Um, I guess uh, trying to follow the same format uh, that, that we've done in, in episodes past, um, let's, let's talk about um, what we know about Apocalypse from the comics. Adam, why don't you go first? Well, we know that this was previously called Age of Apocalypse, which I think they changed because of Age of Ultron. But I don't think it ever had anything to do with the Age of Apocalypse storyline. It seems to be more following. Uh, well, it doesn't really seem to be following any particular storyline. <laughs> well, Just kind of the apocalypse general thing. So, yeah, and that's what I'm trying to get uh, into. So uh, forgetting about Apoc- uh, Age of Apocalypse for now, what do you know about Apocalypse what do you know about Apocalypse pre-Age of Apocalypse from the comic only? Uh, well, I've read most of X-Factor. Okay. So I'm familiar with the origin of uh, Apocalypse, or not origin, but intro of Apocalypse, which I'm assuming uh, in the in the early issues of X-Factor, it seemed like they didn't really know where they were going with Apocalypse. So Fair. I feel yep. like they're probably not going to go with that. <laughs> nope. Um, and then I'm, there's gotta be at some point, uh, apocalypse creates archangel. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And, uh, so they'll probably do some of that. (laughs) Good point. I didn't even think about that. That'd be cool. Um, you know, uh, so what I know about apocalypse is that, I mean, pretty much what we saw from the trailer was that he's this guy who wants to create a new world order of mutants. He sh- he, cha- he changes shape. He's a shapeshifter. And uh, he has four horsemen of the apocalypse. And it's uh, usually, sometimes he gets some X-Men involved in that, but but usually it's not X-Men that are the four horsemen. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess I come from the same history. I read X-Factor, which, of course, is where Apocalypse was introduced. I totally agree. Uh, the first time you see Apocalypse on panel, his silhouette does not match what he ultimately becomes. And it does definitely seem like they didn't quite... I mean, they were trying to create a Magneto for the for X-Factor, and that was Apocalypse. But it didn't really seem like they knew exactly what they were going to do with his powers. Like, you knew he was strong. He had some shape-shifting abilities. Like, you never saw him turn into, like, another person, but, like, he would create hammers and other stupid things out of his hands. Right. Um... Uh, electronics uh you know he had a big talking spaceship um that sort of stuff ship it was the ship's name how clever was that (laughs) and then so i read that arc all the way through um fall of the mutants which featured apocalypse of course as the main protagonist antagonist rather so do you think it'll be based on fall of the mutants no (laughs) uh and then so i guess what i'm trying to the picture i'm trying to paint here is that after fall of the mutants i didn't really see apocalypse much because my i kind of dropped out of comic collecting for a little bit but then you and i got back into comic collecting and when like 
um, Jim Lee and that crew was drawing the X-Men. Like, nobody, uh, as far as I can recall, was drawing Apocalypse. Like, I don't think he was featured in many, if any, of those stories until somewhere in the 2000s they brought him back. And then I think, like, Gambit was a horseman, a horseman. And he was always a horseman or something like that. At some point, Wolverine was also a horseman. Really? I didn't know about that. Yeah, he was death. So, um... Which I believe Archangel was death, wasn't it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, Archangel was death. And Gambit, Gambit was just uh, sexy. <laughs> he was the sexy horseman. Uh, uh, Caliban, he was one of the horsemen. All right, who are the four horsemen? Like, what are they? They're death... Plague. Plague. And Plague was a Morlock, uh, the Morlock that gets everybody sick. I can't remember her name. Well, I mean, what are the, the Four Horsemen's oh. code names? Well, Plague, Famine, Pestilence, and War. Uh, there is no death. Okay. Okay. So uh, uh, I'm confusing death with war. Yes. Uh, okay. And I think Archangel was war. Plague was that uh, uh, Morlock. Famine was just some new mutant they found. Uh, and then I guess Caliban must have been... Plague? Wait, what did I say? <laughs> famine, plague, pestilence, pestilence, famine, plague, pestilence, and war. Pestilence. What's pestilence mean? I feel like pestilence oh. was a character, so yep. I think I think Caliban was famine. No, uh, famine okay. was a, a, a girl they found named Autumn who was anorexic, and uh, uh, Apocalypse bestowed her with powers to like uh, basically take all the nutrients out of somebody's body. Okay, uh, and then. Uh, Pestilence was a former um, uh, army guy who was paralyzed from the waist down and made a deal with Apocalypse that like he would be his Pestilence if he would um, uh, heal his legs. And so he had the power where like he would like clap, I think, and like a whole bunch of the shock waves would come out of the earth and like just destroy stuff. And then uh, war. Or maybe he was war. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so Caliban was an unknown. <laughs> he was a hound, uh, and then maybe he took Angel's part. It, it doesn't matter. It Anyways, really doesn't matter because Caliban's not going to be in this movie. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that um, throughout the storyline of X Factor, they were able to slowly introduce first Apocalypse, and then every other issue or so, they would show Apocalypse picking a new horseman. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, in this movie... Apocalypse is going to show up. He's probably going to do some damage. He's probably going to get some horsemen, which I got to be honest, watching the trailer, uh, it looked like Magneto is going to be like one of his horsemen. And I don't, yeah, I it don't looks know. like the horsemen from the trailer are Storm, Angel, I think Gene, and, uh, and Magneto. Yeah. And I don't know how <laughs> I feel about that. Um, but I'm, I could be wrong about the Gene one. It could be a new character, and I just am not sure. I was hoping when I first saw the trailer that the Gene character was um, uh, Betsy Braddock, but uh, hmm. I don't think it is. <laughs> I mean, is it's he? not. It's Gene. He says Gene. But but uh, Betsy Braddock is in the movie. We we didn't see it in the trailer, but there has been production stills of uh, Olivia Munn dressed up. Like oh, that's Psylocke. right. Okay, yeah. so I bet you she is the fourth horseman then. She might be, and then maybe she's able to redeem herself and become an X-Man. I mean, that would make more sense than Jean, I guess. Yeah, because you see Jean fighting in the in the last half when uh, when Mystique is leading yeah. the, the kind of new X-Men. Yeah. So let's, uh, I don't know, let's do this. Let's, let's go through and just talk about 
which characters we saw. Uh, let's okay. just, and let's just go back and forth, Adam. You you start. Which characters did you see? Uh, the weirdest cameo or the character that I saw was Jubilee. Yep, I saw Jubilee as well. I also saw Nightcrawler. Um, uh, Mystique, who, why doesn't, is, is like, does, does Jennifer Lawrence have a contract where she doesn't have to be in the makeup anymore? That was a little odd because she's just blonde Jennifer Lawrence. And we all know who Jennifer Lawrence is, but if you're not maybe totally familiar with the X-Men series, you're kind of like, well, who's that blonde girl? She, she should have been featured at least once in the blue makeup. I, maybe she got a maybe because she's Jennifer Lawrence and famous now. She was like, no more blue makeup. I'll be in your movie. This is the deal. But I'm no done blue with makeup, this. no full body suit of whatever of blueness. I just you know. I mean, if they're gonna make Nightcrawler do it, and they're gonna make Beast do it, he's the other guy I saw. Mystique ought to do it as well. Well, yeah, but you know, it's Jennifer Lawrence. She doesn't have to do anything. That's true. It's like you want me in your movie. <laughs> this is the deal. <laughs> Who else did you see? Um, who else? Well, like uh, characters that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Cyclops. Yep. Uh, I was just talking about all characters in general. So Gene we saw. Uh, well, then in that case, Storm with the Mohawk. Correct. And of course, the namesake of the movie, we saw Apocalypse. Uh, we saw Angel and also Archangel. Did we see Archangel? I must have been writing notes as that was going by. He will we see what looks like Angel, but with Archangel wings. Oh. So he's not blue, but he's oh. shooting adamantium thingies at people. You're right. There's a scene where he like kind of flies up and he spreads out his wings, right? Yeah. I thought that that was just like bad wing CGI. <laughs> well, okay. it was. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. It's that's probably um, probably Archangel. Uh, we saw Quicksilver. Yes, we saw uh, Magneto. And I'm done. Did you see anybody else? Because I didn't. Well, uh, Professor X, Beast, you know, the usual suspects. We mentioned Beast. I guess I, we didn't say prof- see Professor X. But yeah, he is in there both with hair and without hair. So <laughs> I am guessing that uh, Apocalypse will fulfill the mystery as to how he lost his hair and why he puts a suit on. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, James McAvoy in the old movies, he just like jeans and a t-shirt. But now... That last scene of the trailer, he's rolling out with his suit and bald head, which is like silly. I mean, it's 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 a weird thing in a trailer to present as the end of the trailer. It's kind of like saying, "And now you get to see how James McAvoy became Patrick Stewart," <laughs> right? But it's it's like you know, it's it's not much of a reveal for anybody who's familiar with either the X Men history or any of the previous movies. Oh, look, that, he's finally bald. <laughs> oh, so that's how it happened. Mystery solved. Um, Yeah, you almost, when he rolls out like there, you almost expect him to say, like, to me, my X-Men. <laughs> um, I don't know. They, they they treat it like it's a cliffhanger ending, like, like oh, my gosh, but it's, it's really kind of not. So um, we talked a little bit about it. So this is my big beef, and I, I, I already know what you're going to say, but I'm curious how on earth this ties into the Marvel universe? I mean, to the X-Men, to the to the Fox X-Men universe. Well, it doesn't seem to. <laughs> but it has characters that have been introduced, like the actors in other movies. Because here's the thing. The first one took place in the 60s. The second one took place in the 70s. I'm presuming this one's taking place in the 80s. Because otherwise, how do you have young Scott Summers, young Jean Grey, uh, young Angel, who doesn't appear until the third movie, Jubilee, who doesn't appear, I don't know, 
Jubilee seems Jubilee seems to be the same age as the as as she was in her cameo appearance. Jubilee was in uh, one of the Wolverine movies, right? And wasn't she also in no, X three? She was in. She had a cameo in, I think, the first X Men movie. Mm, no, I think she was in X three. Where I think I think she had a line of dialogue in X three, but in X one or two, she was also there in a classroom. Scene. Oh yeah, yeah, and she she was just like dressed up like Jubilee, but didn't really do anything. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Or maybe maybe she did like a sparkly power thing. <laughs> Was, well, no, I think you're thinking of Kitty Pride because Kitty Pride phased through a wall, I think, in X2, 1 or 2. Okay. But didn't have any dialogue and then became and wasn't, what's her name? Right, uh, Ellen Page. Ellen Page. And then in X3, she became Kitty Pride that we know. Right. Yeah, so I think they're uh, – I, I maintain that they are, <laughs> but <laughs> but maybe they're not. I maintain that they are all part of the same universe because it's got James McAvoy, and we saw him interacting with Patrick Stewart in the last movie, which clearly was trying to tie the two first-class and X-Men movies together as a send-off to the old X-Men and a welcome to the new X-Men. But this movie, I mean, I guess this is my big problem with all of the Fox mutant movies. Mm-hmm. They, they just, there's no consistency. There's there's, no, they really don't care. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, I haven't seen Deadpool, and I, I don't think it comes out until Friday, this Friday, but, like, Colossus is in it, so I guess maybe that's consistent, but was he was also in uh, X3. I think Domino was in it, too. Well, that would, I guess, make sense, but was Domino in anything else? No. But I guess my point is that Colossus has been in other movies, uh, and he's looked different <laughs> each time. Because well, no. the Deadpool Colossus, he actually looks like comic book Colossus, which is kind of cool. Well, that's good. Yeah. And he he seems to actually have a Russian accent from the trailer. That would also be good. Uh, so, I don't know, Adam. I really don't know about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk about a little bit about what what do you know about the Age of Apocalypse, which this is probably not based on. I know that I, I bought... The first issue, which I think was like X-Men Alpha. Okay. And and then I don't think I read anything else. And then I bought the Omnibus, which I still haven't opened because I'm saving it for when we get there. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's it. I really don't. I, I, I There's an alternate reality where uh, didn't all the comics switch over to different comics? Like uh, Wolverine became Weapon X and... Uncanny X-Men became Astonishing X-Men. Yeah. Was that Age of Apocalypse? Yeah, yep. Okay. Then, I, yeah. I think that I that I, may ha- I do have those Weapon X issues, and I may have even read them. Okay. Uh, I, I have a. I might have all of them, uh, but I or, or I certainly have a lot of them, um, but I've not read any of them. <laughs> like, everything seems intriguing about it, but I've just never had the de- draw or desire to, like, try to, to read through it. Because I think it's the first time that the comic book really committed to an alternate reality by changing over the comics. I think they did it again, probably better with house of M, but this was like the first time. Yeah. But house of M was like a nine part mini series with a, with like a few issue tie ins. Like the whole series didn't change over to house of M. Well, I guess, no, now that I think about it, you're right. Like she said, no more mutants. And like every other title, like followed that. And it had a right. little house of M on the corner. Everybody had to deal with that. Right. But that wasn't really an alternate universe. Like that happened to no. that universe. 
it was an alternate universe. I mean, well, it was an alternate universe that was created within the universe, which is the same thing. I mean, really, what is apocalypse? Uh, Age of apocalypse. It's it's an alternate universe that was caused by apocalypse. It's all the same. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. So and it, look, it looks like that was, that's what the new Seeker Wars is too. Actually, is kind of another way of creating an alternate universe. So the the current Secret Wars is that over yet? Or is that still happening? Yes, the last issue just came out uh, maybe a month ago, I guess. So yeah, it's officially over. A lot of the stuff has rebooted back to their regular titles, and um, some of the some of the new titles got made into new titles. Right. Like I, I think uh, the 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 interview that we did X Men ninety two X Men ninety two is an ongoing series now. I don't know if the those two guys are. Uh, writing it or not hope they are i think i think they are i read something about that because i i didn't actually know it was a, only a four issue limited series until i well went to go get issue five and i was like where is it i thought it was a six issue limited series maybe you might be missing out uh maybe it's <laughs> six whatever maybe maybe it's only five i don't remember what i know is i have all of the issues and then i read something that coming maybe it's already happened but yeah it was supposed to become an ongoing series in any event, um, I think we've already kind of speculated about the story. <laughs> we seem to have some horsemen. Apocalypse shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, it looks like from the trailer that he kidnaps Professor X and then Mystique leads the new the the new X Men. That's see that none of that none of that fits in with <laughs> the. The Fox. That's just what the trailer looks like. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe the movie. I, you know I, what? No, Adam, I think you're right. I think Mystique in an attempt to redeem herself probably comes back, hangs out with the professor. Professor gets kidnapped. It looks like Magneto probably betrays Professor Xavier once again. And because you see him like magnetically pulling his chair away and Magneto probably becomes a horseman. But maybe he's got his own agenda up his sleeve and he, he's able to break Apocalypse's control and, and he wants Apocalypse's power or something. I don't know. I don't know, Adam. So I'm thinking that you're going to have to come to grips with that X-Men 1 through 3 don't exist anymore in this universe. Well, it's possible, right? I mean, you know, with what with what happened with... Um, uh, the last one. Uh, yeah, I think the the end of Days of Future Past wiped the slate clean and like left that universe. Like, look, Gene's back and everyone's happy, and now this is happening. Right. So i I could see that, Adam. But you know, it's still weird. I agree with you. Having characters that appeared already appearing, like Nightcrawler, shouldn't be hanging out with the X Men. He meets the X Men for the first time in X Two. But right, there's that even didn't, that there, didn't happen. This the, like so, so basically, I think what's happening is that they're X one through three. You just got to let it go, man. Like there's even a a scene of Storm like talking about Nightcrawler's scars. Like I've never met you before. You got these cool scars. Right. What happened to you? Maybe maybe Apocalypse at the end of the movie will be like mind wipe, <laughs> and I'm defeated. Ah. Oh. Or maybe the professor will do a, a classic mind wipe. He'll be like the events of this movie. You should never remember <laughs> to protect you and your fragile mind. So, so here's what I really am. Is this all for the money? It's all about the money, isn't it? It has to be all about the money. There doesn't you, seem to be like anybody that cares <laughs> at Fox about. Well, I think I think Brian Singer cares. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the ones that he directs are 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 good. Are and I don't and I don't think he cares about continuity. 
I, like, I don't think he's like, he's not a fanboy. So yeah, he's not a guy true. who's like, you know what? I got to stick to the first three movies because, you know, they're really important. I think he's like, I'm starting over and I got control of this again and I'm going to do it a different way this time. And I'm going to, I'm going to be married to that and not the vision that I had before. And that I can accept that, right? Because I think I've said this before, but the first X-Men movie, in my opinion, paved the way for everything else that's happened. It hit and everyone's like, oh my God, superheroes. And then now we have Avengers. It took a while to get to the quality that we have. But now you watch a Marvel movie or a Marvel TV show and like you almost, they, they always hit. Yeah. And it's because you've got a... Uh, board of people that, yes, they want to make money, but they also are uh, creating a universe which doesn't 100% follow the comic books, which is fine. But what the comic books have taught all of us comic book people is that we love uh, we, we love cereal and not, mm-hmm. not, not like Cheerios, but like cereal <laughs> stories. And we like continuity. We lo- and, and, and we're okay sometimes if we come up with clever retroactive continuity as long as it's not overdone. And so, like, the people at Disney, Marvel Studios get that. And everything that they come out, like, is uh, referenced, not not necessarily references, but is informed by the other things that have come out. Right. We also love shared universes, which yeah. is exactly what is so great about Marvel is that characters show up in each other's comic books. And they have big events every year where everybody interacts with each other. And, and that's one of the things that was replicated so well by Marvel is, like, uh, these things all exist together, and then you have the Avengers, which is essentially the event. So yeah, exactly. So my point is, is that uh, I can we can wipe the slate clean of the first few X Men movies because they were important to to do what they did. Uh, but for God's sakes, why can't like people at Fox like appoint like the X like we want to keep the X Men franchise, so we're going to appoint uh, a body of people that that aren't necessarily going to write it, but are going to be in charge of. Well, I guess producing. They're going to be the producers, and they're going to come up with the continuity. They're going to be the editor. They're going to be the Jim Shooter of the uh, X-Men movie franchise. And what we're going to do is, like, we we made the movies that um, allow us to do what we're doing now. So those were good. We're done. Let's start this universe all over again. We've already rebooted Spider-Man, like, three times. <laughs> Fantastic Four, like, twice. We're going to reboot the X-Men once, and we're going to do... I mean, if you think about it, Adam... You could do, you could plan out six movies really easily, and you could have, and you could do the Star Wars thing, right? You could do uh, a Wolverine movie in between, a Gambit movie in between, a Cable, a Deadpool. Like, you could have all these characters, and then eventually, like you said, with the Avengers, the X-Men movie could be the event that a lot of these characters feed into. And I bet you a ton of people would dig that, and that would lead Fox to be able to produce, like, mutant tv shows although i think the tv show rights are kind of in a weird place but i think I that'd know. be super Supp- cool supposedly fox is developing a new mutants tv show and that's cool but is it like is it like is it is it gonna be like what dc is doing with flash and arrow and all those no, shows no, where I, like, I, I, like, I believe that the the new mutants uh fox television series is going to actually tie into fox's Marvel Universe in okay. the same way that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all of those right. things tie into Marvel's Marvel Universe or Disney's Marvel Universe. I just, uh, I guess. Whereas the DC way is the television shows are completely separated from the movies 
Right. I don't know why that is, but I guess it's because they, I think part of the reason for both of these things, why Fox is doing it the way that they're doing and why DC is doing it the way they're doing is because they kind of started on this path and now they're kind of, some things worked, some things didn't. And now they're kind of cleaning up as they go and trying to figure out what the formula is that will work. And they haven't quite figured it out yet. They hired uh, Mark Miller or Mark Millar, however you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. To be the the producer guy, and they ended up with Days of Future Past and Fantastic Four, one which was successful and one which was a flop. So I don't know if he's going to continue having that job. Mm. Um, but they, they did kind of hire a, a guy to kind of oversee it and bring it all together, debatable whether or not it worked. I still haven't seen Fantastic Four. I'm, I heard it wasn't as bad as everybody said it was, Oh, <laughs> but I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll reserve judgment until I see it. I heard it was terrible, but again, yeah. I think that's what the internet said, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, sounds sounds about right." Last two, I feel like good. the internet decided that before actually seeing it. You you could be very well right. <laughs> two two things I want to mention before we we wrap this up. Um, first of all, uh, spoilers. Looking ahead, uh, Caliban is in the movie. Oh, that's good. Yeah, played by Thomas Lamarki. Oh, yeah, Tomas, yeah. I love Tomas. And there's another character who is just referenced as Mutant Morlocks. So (laughs) Christopher Tyson is going to play all the rest of the Mutant Morlocks. Cool. (laughs) Uh, uh, One one other thing, Vladimir Alexis, one of my favorite black actors, he's going to be the Payless shoe salesperson. (laughs) Uh, Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, good, good stuff. So... There you go, everybody. Um, anything else you wanted to mention about this apocalypse X-Men debacle fiasco? Um, Wait, is Brian, is Brian Singer directing this thing? Yes. Ugh. I mean, that, ugh, I like Brian Singer. I like what he's done. But there was a couple of shots in the trailer of just like like full-on shots of mutants doing stuff. And it looked very like CGI, posy, glamour shot. Well, there was one of Magneto and there was one of Angel. I was like, really? Hopefully this is a trailer that where the effects aren't done. Oh. Because sometimes that happens. Or maybe these are scenes that made it to the trailer but don't actually make it to the movie. Right. That could happen. Sure. Okay. So I guess my final thoughts are that like uh, everybody was scared about the apocalypse costume. Um, and it seemed like it was okay in the trailer. Uh, I like the fact that they have apocalypse getting large in the trailer doing kind of some shape-shifting. That seems very out of the comic book. Um, I like uh, Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse, and I like his speech in the in the trailer. Okay. So I think Apocalypse will be solid, uh, is what I'm saying. The, the speech was fine, and it was uh, worthy of the Apocalypse character. I thought the scene of him growing and holding down, I can't remember who he was holding down. I think it was the professor. Uh, I thought it looked a little cheesy. It does, but it's it, how else are you gonna do Apocalypse's powers? I mean, I'm, they're gonna look cheesy. I'm with you. You know, we've got we got Hulk, and uh, you know we've seen him done bad, and we've seen him seen him done good. So I don't. I, uh. That's that's why I'm not a movie director because I don't know how to make that scene not be cheesy. Um, the the um, makeup, like I know the internet already decided that it sucked. But I I came to that conclusion before I read that the internet came to the conclusion that it sucked. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to do they, – they did Magneto and they did him spot on. They gave him the helmet. They gave him the right costume. Um, they they kind of messed up the Sentinels, I guess, in my opinion. 
But Apocalypse is kind of like right there with it. It's like there's there's an expected look of Apocalypse. Like where's his tubes? He's got a, I don't know, he, he doesn't have a cape. He's not a thin guy. He's like a big man. Did he not have the tubes? I don't think he had the tubes on his arms. Maybe oh. he did, but they weren't as big as like X-Factor Apocalypse tubes. Oh, all right. Well, okay. <laughs> I did maybe didn't, I'm not looking for the detail that you are, but, um, or the internet, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I, I seem like I'm okay with what I saw from this trailer. I agree that that image from the internet of Apocalypse looked kind of like an old man <laughs> that would, it, it was kind of bad, but, um, in motion, this doesn't seem to bother me. And also, you should never see Apocalypse, like, among people. He should be on a ship. Uh, do you ever really see him among people, though? I don't know. No, not not in the trailer. We, but. See, we see him, like, traveling through what looks like Cerebus. Or Cerebus. Uh, Cerebro. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. But you know, it's been a quality year for Oscar Isaac. He's been uh, he's had he's had quite a few uh, amazing roles. He was he was Poe Dameron. Yep. Yep. Oh, geez, Adam. You know, I I you know we're done talking about Apocalypse, but we've only got like thirty minutes recorded, and I feel like we should like we should go to the distance. What else could we talk about? <laughs> Let me ask you because we haven't talked about this yet. How many times have you seen Star Wars? We should talk about Star Wars? Adam, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not saying we should talk about oh, it. Okay. I'm just saying how many times have you seen it? I saw it three times. I've also seen it three times. Adam, I think we should talk about Star Wars. All right. Okay. Um, what do you think of Star Wars? Hang on. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, yeah. We're going to spoil. If you haven't seen this movie, I don't know who you are because I think everybody's seen it. But... Uh, First, yeah, we're, we're going to spoil the hell out of it. Let me say that the internet, in a rare form of discretion, was virtually spoiler-free for the first few weeks of this movie. It, it is very impressive. And uh, that moratorium on the internet has been lifted officially by the internet. The internet released a press release. That, <laughs> that was a couple of weeks ago. So, exactly. If you haven't seen this movie now, you, you don't really care. So, spoilers, you've been warned. We're going to talk about Frickin' Star Wars. And this is an X-Men podcast, so if you don't care, well, we'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Star Wars. Okay, so <clears throat> how, do, how do you want to start this, Adam? I don't know. Um, what, is, what is it? Like, growing up, are you the, are you the Star Wars kid? Well, the, the fat kid in the, in, the, in the garage with my fake lightsaber? No, not that kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the Star Wars kid. So you were you were born before Star Wars came out. I was born in 1976, so just a, a year before Star Wars came out. So uh, I'm told that I was taken to the drive-in to watch Star Wars, but I certainly don't recall it. I was born after Star Wars came out, but only a, a few months after. Okay, so it, it could have possibly still been in the theaters after you were born. Oh, it was in the Star Wars for... It was in the Star Wars. It was in the theaters... For for years after it came out, because like back in the seventies, movies didn't necessarily leave. Like they didn't have the lifespan that they have now. Right, they stuck around for years. So in the theater, um, I I only recall seeing Return of the Jedi, um, and of course I had seen Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back on TV and probably videotape. Yeah, videotape was a thing back then, wasn't it? It it, it most certainly was. <laughs> so yes, I had seen them. Um, and of course, just being a kid, right? Like I had like an, a Millennium Falcon and a bunch of action figures and I wanted to be a Jedi and 
yeah, I guess I, I didn't have everything, but I had, I had some stuff. I was a Star Wars kid for sure. And then, of course, when Return of the Jedi came out and I saw it in the theater, oh, my God, that that was it. I we I had the Ewok village. I had like the, <laughs> the red Imperial guards. Um, yeah. I'm right there with you. It was, Return of the Jedi was the first one I remember seeing in the theater and I was obsessed and then I feel like for uh, maybe 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 eight years I wasn't really into Star Wars. Like I like Star Wars. It was it was cool. I never disliked Star Wars, but I never I wasn't I wasn't the Star Wars kid. It faded from immediacy. Like if somebody said Star Wars, you'd be like, oh yeah yeah. But yeah, there was a phase, and then that phase ended. And you either got rid of those toys, or they went to the bottom of your toy box, or whatever. Uh, and that was it. And then, and I remember this, you and I rented the Star Wars trilogy. I don't know why. I know why. We just, okay, tell me why. (laughs) Well, because we had figured out the magic of recording from VCR to VCR. Okay, so we were just like, we want to record Star Wars for posterity. No, we wanted to record everything. Like we we would go to the video store and we would would just pick things up. And eventually, I, I don't know why and I don't know how, but yes, we picked up the Star Wars trilogy from the video store. We brought it back to my place, if I'm not mistaken. And yep. we watched them, and I know that I recorded them. Like on, I definitely recorded that. I remember having a tape that had all three Star Warses on them. Oh, you recorded an SLP? I absolutely did. Gross. I I did two versions. I did the uh, was it EP or LP? Uh, EP was like the six hour, and LP was the four hour. Yeah, okay. like long play, and then like extra long play or super okay. long play was SLP. So I had, I made, I made copies for like family members and those were the ones where I put all three on one tape. Oh, but you kept like masters, like the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. You were quite the enterprising little pirate. So I, I remember watching those at your house and, and the magic of those kind of got restored for me. And I, I've, I grabbed onto that magic and I've never let go since. Really? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was like a it was like a reawakening for me. It was like, oh yeah, I remember these movies. These movies are great. Yeah, same same here. Um, I guess uh, I don't think it reawoken. It's reawoked it. Re- whatever. <laughs> like we watched the movies. And I was like, yeah, Star Wars. I I I love these movies. Oh, and the other thing that um, I recall is that um, my mom had recorded Empire Strikes Back off of TV for me. And I didn't have Star Wars and I didn't have Return of the Jedi like in my personal collection. This is before you and I rented the trilogy. So I probably watched Empire Strikes Back like every week for <laughs> <laughs> like a, a year. Uh, and, you know, I never got tired of it. Uh, yeah. the, the Yoda scenes kind of dragged on, you know, after like the ninth or tenth viewing. But everything else was was pretty solid. Uh, so there was that. But then, yes, you and I rented the trilogy and I was definitely like, yeah, Star Wars, Star Wars is cool. But it, it didn't like, I wasn't like, oh, Star Wars. Like, I remember you and I like went to look for books and stuff and we tried yeah, to get we, them from we our bought, library. We bought those original books and mm-hmm. we, we bought the comic book thing. Yeah. Uh, Dark true. Empire and, yeah. and uh, uh, Heir to the Empire was the, the first book. Right. And it just kind of, it kind of, uh, we we it's like we watched the trilogy right at the time when all of the uh kind of non-canon supplemental material started showing up but adam and, and so it just kind of exploded 
Heir to the Empire was not the first book that was written. Which, what was the first one? I think it was Truce at Baccarat. No, no, that's wrong. There was another one, uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Oh, yeah. Th- those ones Those ones came out in the 70s and the 80s. Exactly. And then there was also like the Han Solo trilogy. Yeah. And then there was the Lando Carizian trilogy. So, yeah, all that stuff was stuff that I eventually dug up. Did you, but... did you ever read the Timothy Zahn Heir to the Empire trilogy? Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. the stuff that I picked up. I actually never picked up the, the Bakura one. Uh, that's a different, that's another trilogy that takes place. I, I was confusing titles. There's okay. a crap ton of that non-canon yeah. Star Wars. As but the one that, the, like right around the time after we watched it, there was a new trilogy of books and by Timothy Zahn. And the first one was Heir to the Empire. Yeah. And so it was like, suddenly Star Wars was something that I could like totally embrace because, and then, and then the Dark Empire series came out and that was like really amazing for the time. Right. Um, uh, Shadow of the Empire came out for N64, and I think there was a comic book, and there was definitely action figures that came out with that. Oh, and there was the Star Wars Nintendo game? Yeah, that was Shadow of the Empire. No, for the original Nintendo. Shadows of the Empire was like... N64. uh, Yeah. Yeah, there was the Star Wars for the NES, and then, of course, Super Star Wars. Right, and And then Super Star Wars, which was like, oh my god, this is so cool. (laughs) Um. I would Empire say Empire Strikes Back for NES, which uh, was the first NES game I bought with my own money. Wow! For like forty or fifty bucks. <laughs> was that was that a good game? It was hard, but yeah, it was good for for the time. I, and it had that those weird uh, those voices of Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. So you'd like get something and it'd be like, "Use the Force, Luke." <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that game. I've I've played it a little bit, and it is it is damn tough. I Go would to take a bar. I would say that for me, uh, my my joy or whatever you want to call it was uh, inter. Well, it was it was rekindled with the special editions, um, and of course, um, I'll be I'll be honest. Like my first viewing of the special editions was met with like adoration yeah yeah oh yeah so like when that when those were announced what was that like 1997 or something yeah, 1997 98 and 99 that yeah well did they come out uh every year or do they come out like every three months uh, maybe they came out every three months yeah because i want to say that like um oh no 99 was phantom menace yeah so, phantom yeah. menace came out in 99 so yeah it was 97 but but so 97 that star wars comes out and i mean Special edition wise, that's the one that they did. Uh, I think the most work, um, and of course they did a lot of work on Return of the Jedi. But uh, Star Wars, in my opinion, like they, um, a lot of the CGI they added made the movie better. However, there was some CGI that, in subsequent viewings, I was like, "Why did they do this?" <laughs> um, my first viewing, like I had always heard about Jabba the Hutt and his scene was in Star Wars and then it got cut. And I, of course, Return of the Jedi, love Jabba the Hutt. And I was like, yeah, I want to see Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars. So my first viewing in 97, there was Jabba the Hutt and he does the thing. I was like, yeah, Jabba's in the movie. But of course, when you rewatch the movie, you're like, oh, <laughs> he's just <laughs> saying everything Greedo just said. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is unnecessary. Why? And and the first iteration, like you, maybe you don't remember this, uh, but the first iteration of CGI Jabba in '97. Oh, I remember. It looked terrible <laughs> on subsequent viewings. But my initial viewings, I was like, "That's Jabba." And they've revisited that three times, I believe. Three like, times. Well, uh, 
twice. There was the first time, which was the viewing on the that you're talking about, right? And then they when they released those onto uh, VHS or maybe maybe DVD at the time, I don't remember. They redid it, and then yeah. when they did it recently on Blu-ray, they did it again. Okay, so I, I've got the DVDs, and I've seen the. They basically took what they did in Phantom Menace and used that CGI model for the DVD release. I guess I don't know what they did for the Blu-ray release. Because I don't own that. There are uh, YouTube videos that go through all of them. Go through everything. So that that was definitely the thing that like kicked it back off for me. Um, certainly, the viewing that you and I did helped. You're like, oh, I'm going to go see the special edition because I I like Star Wars. And then right about that time, I had had the Timothy Zahn book, the first book, uh, since since I can't even remember. Like I had my mom buy. I was like, oh, I like Star Wars. Buy me that book. And then I read. You know, it's a little font. I was probably like 12. I was like, this is too many pages, and I didn't read it. <laughs> so 97 rolls around, and I'm living with a guy, and he's like, oh, you should read that. That's a good book. And sure enough, I read it, and it was it was good. And, and then I was like, okay, I'm in. Star Wars. Let's do this thing. And I read the other two books. They they're That that Timothy Zahn trilogy, for those of you that haven't read it, uh, it's good. It's, it's really good. It really captures the, the spirit of Star Wars. Um, Timothy Zahn does a really good job of doing what they did in Return of the Jedi, where it's like, Luke's doing this, Han's doing this, Lando's doing this, and Leia's doing this, and just, like, cutting back and forth between all of these scenes, and then, like, tying it to the, its conclusion. However, it's no longer canon. It never was canon. It sort of was. Yeah, I, I know. Like, basically, when they did Force Awakens, they said, all that stuff you read, uh, <laughs> null and void. But, you know, from just, like, fan fiction or alternate universe stuff it's it's a good read especially it, if it you, is it's especially if you want to continue seeing luke do luke stuff and han do han stuff etc like they are good reads and yep. you're, you're never going to see luke and han and leia and lando doing the things that they did in their movies ever again right at least as portrayed by those actors probably you know han solo series and all that sort of stuff but anyways so yeah and then of course you know watch the rest of the special editions and and uh uh you know and subsequent viewings, I was really like, God, I really wish they would release non-special editions yeah. for us to watch. But I know, still wish that. So say la vie, it is what it is. Just just for historical, like, just to just to see how it actually looked. I mean, I've I've got them on Laserdisc and I've got them on VHS, and I know that yeah. they they released them on DVD, but they released basically non-anamorphic ones. So you've got right. black borders around the entire thing. Yeah. And then of course, you know, Phantom Menace comes out, and and you know when Phantom Menace was announced and the trailer was released, don't don't lie to me, Adam. You were like, oh, oh no. First of all, that trailer was amazing. Yeah, you're like. I don't know what that double-sided uh, lightsaber guy is doing, but he's awesome. Yeah, and 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 all the the fan frenzy leading up to it, it was very exciting, and 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 even after it came out, it was like, wow, that was Star Wars. I got to see Star Wars, and then I I actually I think I saw it every week for the first ten weeks what? that it was out. I saw it ten. Every, 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 like, what did it come out on a Friday? I saw it every, every Friday for the next 10 weeks. I saw it 10 times in the theater. Holy crap. I think I saw it. I think I saw it twice in the theater. I went the first time and I was like, any minute now, Star Wars is going to happen. Right. It was, it felt like Star Wars and there was lightsabers and there was lasers and the force was being used and, you know, mini chlorians came out and you're like, oh, okay. Well, that's the part of the problem with, 
the prequel is that I felt like George Lucas like made it more difficult on himself than he needed to because the movies were already written. And what I mean by that is all he needed to do was watch Star Wars Empire and Jedi and just write down notes. <laughs> Your father wanted me to give you this lightsaber. Well, when did when did Anakin tell Obi-Wan that I would like you to give this lightsaber to my son? Like that never happens. Well, he, this is the thing. And I've read articles where George Lucas, he was trying to do a thing where people remembered things differently than they actually happened. No. <laughs> oh, oh, so when Obi-Wan says your father wanted me to give this to you, he was misremembering that his father never met him. Well, in that instance, he was straight up lying because oh. he wanted to. I mean, that's that. I mean, you can you can create reasons for everything. Oh, OK, so your father we, wanted we, me to we, give this to you was a way to get Luke. Come on, come with me. We got to go to. Exactly. Okay. We already know that Obi-Wan lied to Luke in order to move him along. He didn't tell him about Vader being his father, all that stuff. Yeah, but that was explained later on, like, well, it was yeah, sort the, of the truth. Eh? Exactly. Well, we, therefore, we know that, you know, Obi-Wan is a consummate liar. <laughs> all right. Here's, here's, here's the other one that, that's always... No, I'm not going to argue with you. There are some really bad ones, but yeah, but, but go ahead. This, let me get this one off my chest, all right? Okay, okay. Luke asks Leia, do you okay, remember yeah, yeah. your father or mother? I don't remember which. And and she says, I remember my mother. She was always sad. Now, that to me is not remembering things wrong and is such an easy get because when when Padme loses Anakin, she doesn't have to die. She can go into <laughs> hiding and be heartbroken. And that scene yeah. can make sense. Uh, I agree. Uh, but they killed her of a broken heart. Yeah. That's, well, I, that's... And, and again, um, and this is like a cheesy explanation, but like maybe Leia's memories are not what she really remembers them to be. So the problem I have with that is that from just a movie making storytelling proposition, the only reason you have that in there is to forward the motivations of the character. So if Leia is talking about like her foster mother, it's irrelevant. <laughs> it makes no sense in the context of the movie. Um, if she's misremembering it, well, that's just a cheat on the audience. Well, that I think, like like I said, there wasn't. I read an article that said that what George Lucas was attempting to do. One of the things that he was he was attempting to do a lot of things, and a lot of the things that he was attempting to do did not come across because George Lucas is not a very good director. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was <laughs> and, about to. And one of the things that he was attempting to do was show how in Star Wars, a lot of the stuff that was the mythology of Star Wars was not the way that it really was. That the Jedi were not really a peacekeeping force. They were a bunch of bureaucrats. Uh, now, I am okay with that. That that from like just an interesting story proposition like we can look at like uh this is the one that's going to bring balance to the force you can look at that a lot of different ways one could it, say it like is. uh the force is so good with jedis on the light side that this kid is going to bring balance to the force by by adding to the sith right like that that's fine that all makes sense and, and maybe he is the chosen one and uh definitely the jedi council that's mired in politics and bureaucracy uh ultimately leading to its downfall uh, or death by vader that's fine. It's not really how it happened. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and Obi-Wan Kenobi, who kind of like uh, bit into it hook, line, and sinker, would definitely tell Luke, like, the Jedi were a peacekeeping organization and blah, blah, blah. Like, 
those nuanced things, which actually aren't even all that nuanced, that works for me. But when you have like those two dialogues, pieces of dialogue I just gave you, like it. Oh, and there's more. <laughs> I know there's more, but <laughs> those are the two biggest ones. And I know that like there are people that have watched this movie more than I, that have spent more time thinking about it, that could definitely pull out, you know, 25 more inconsistencies. Um, and, and, and that's why I say that uh, in order to write the first three movies, all George Lucas needed to do was watch the original three because there's been there were but at that time there had been like what twenty years. <laughs> but this is this is the thing of people it's... watching these things and drawing their own conclusions, and for you to change things and let me qualify this to change things so drastically, like you kind of crap on what everybody has uh, taken as mythology um, for the last twenty years. But there's a difference and, if you and, hang on. But there's a difference, like if you turn something on its head, like um, you know, like the the, the Jedi being a bunch of like uh, incompetent bureaucrats. Like that's taking something that you never really thought about too much, and then putting it on its head, but not changing the context of what happened after it. And I agree with you. And um, I just. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to I, George Lucas knew exactly what he was doing because there's I, no I disagree <laughs> there. There is there. And I'm not saying that he I think I think you're right. And then he kind of was not he was he was making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> um, he was kind of not paying attention to what necessarily the fans wanted. And, and he was kind of uh, screwing with everybody by ignoring these basic things. But there's no way that he that somebody didn't say to him during the making of this movie, what about that dialogue between Leia and Luke? I don't know, Adam. Like, what There's if, no way. Adam, like, you're... It's, hang on. Somebody somewhere at some point during the process, making a movie is a several-month-long process. This script was completed. There was no way that somebody somewhere didn't say, well, wait, this doesn't make sense. So, and And George Lucas probably said... Yeah, I don't care. This is the story that I want to tell. I don't care about that story. That story is done. <laughs> you you could be right, but I'm also th- on thinking that like you got a bunch of people that are getting, you know, working with George Lucas. And oh, no 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 doubt that he was surrounded by yes men. That's what I'm trying to get. Like who's going to be the guy that goes, "Uh, Mr. Lucas, do you remember that line you wrote? Like none of this works with that line. Do you think we should fix it?" Nobody wants to be that guy. I, I know, but that's the thing is I don't think – I think I, – I guarantee that somebody said something and George Lucas said, doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't care. People, probably was like, people won't care. Uh, Little did he know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all right. I don't, I don't think George Lucas understands the Star fans. Wars. <laughs> no, I think he understands Star Wars. I just think he has goals. Like he's always said that he, he set out to make three movies that were as not Star Wars as could be and he succeeded. However – why would you want to do that? Did he say that? Yeah, he said, and he said again, if I made the next trilogy, which would have started with episode seven, which he was planning to make before Disney bought it out, he would have made three more movies that were nothing like the prequels and nothing like the originals. He was trying to make a trilogy that stood on its own that was Star Wars, but not Star Wars. So he succeeded. I, no, just happened I to suck. I don't, so I don't, I don't agree that I mean, the th- four, five, and six, they, obviously, they're a trilogy that, that have uh, kind of a, they have a beginning, middle, and an end. Um, 
of course, the beginning takes place after something else has happened, but through enough narrative and what whatnot, like you get kind of the grasp of what's happened. So the first three are not necessary, but of course, as Star Wars fans, you want to definitely see those first three movies. And then the next three movies, which we'll talk about at some point, I promise you, but, but this is far <laughs> too interesting at this point. Um, here's, here's what I want to close. Well, I'm not done. I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. I'm not okay, ready to close okay. the story yet. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, I guess I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, uh, here's what I was going to say. The first three movies do not stand together as a standalone trilogy. Uh, the first movie is a beginning. The second movie is a middle. And the third movie is a middle. Because the third movie doesn't have, like, it has a conclusion. But, like, that conclusion is not a satisfying one unless you know what happens and know what happened in the next trilogy yeah you're right that's 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 i can't argue with that like if any studio ended their trilogy the way that movie ended you'd be like what what is this all right well when are we gonna do part four because like everybody died nobody's happy all these people are going into hiding i mean yeah i guess it's it's yeah it's an it's a, it is an ending to that sequence but it's an ending that it, it doesn't doesn't end without it, Star Wars. It is an ending, but it's not a good ending for a trilogy. Now, now no. all that being said, there's almost no way that George Lucas could have succeeded just because everybody has had at that point 20 years of expectations and their interpretation of what happened between Obi-Wan, Anakin, Yoda, and anybody else, the Clone Wars, etc. Well, here, here's the thing is that it's it's all you have to do is in order to in order to like the prequels uh, you have to just not watch them <laughs> and understand the very the very basic thing that Lucas was trying to say which was that Darth Vader was a kid who got too much power too soon couldn't handle it fell in love in a society that was not in love meanwhile or where there were love was not allowed uh and ended up turning bad because meanwhile in the background you have this guy who is manipulating power and basically overtaking a republic and and then you have the jedi who also have an arc where they get uh wiped out essentially because they're ineffective and all you have to do is know all that make up your own movie i was gonna say adam and you're done the trilogy you just described is a trilogy i want to go see <laughs> Exactly. You got to make it up yourself. <laughs> but I didn't see that movie. I mean, the I, the ideas you mentioned are definitely in that movie, but, you know, they're, oh, your sand is soft, not like sand. <laughs> right, which is why I say just don't go see the prequels. Just understand that ba the basic themes of the prequels are, are solid. I read an interview. But you can't go see them. I read an interview uh, from, it was kind of like uh, Phantom Menace, Where Are They Now? And mm. it was like, Natalie Portman, who has obviously ultimately succeeded, was like, I was in the highest grossing movie, but a director wouldn't touch me. Yeah. You know, referring to what she handed in for. Uh, and I think the the, the industry mostly um, regards her performances, the fault of the director and not the actor. Well, yeah, I because, mean, I've, I've always said that there are some actors that are just quality actors without directors. They're solid but then there are other actors who require a director in order to be, uh, in order to give a performance. They need that relationship. Yeah, but I George feel Lucas is a terrible director. I of, feel of people. I feel like in that movie, like 
Natalie Portman and maybe other people, maybe even Hayden Christensen or whatever his name is, was probably like, um, George, can we just do that one more time? I, I just didn't feel like I got it. And George was like, no, we got it. Moving on. Well, I mean, there are stories from the original Star Wars trilogy where, where George Lucas did exactly that, where like actors wanted to do uh, another take. And he was like, no, it was good enough. And I've also read that the majority of what made that movie was like when the editors got the tapes, they're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do with this? And they were able to re-edit it and take a lot of long shots and fix a lot of uh, the, the dialogue and not, not, not fix the dialogue, but re-edit dialogue and effect shots so that they actually looked impressive and sounded good. Uh, whereas like the original draft that was turned in apparently was just garbage. But. Anyways. I read I read a article a long long time ago about after the rough cut of Star Wars was done and this is like after all of that editing had happened they screened it and by the end of it George Lucas had his head in his hands and was like oh my god I'm not going to make any money back this is terrible and then John Williams came in and wrote that soundtrack and it made the movie you you take the soundtrack you re-edit it, and definitely you can make uh, cheesy or or less impactful scenes seem giant, right? Just with just by putting that score behind it. So I I can totally see that. I mean, there's that one scene where Luke's looking at the two sons, and the music swells up, mm-hmm. and you take that music away, and you're like, all right, come on, let's move it on. But you put that music in there, and you're like, oh, this kid's got some deep thoughts. I don't know what it is because he's not saying anything, but the music <laughs> tells me. I would like to see a cut of Star Wars without the soundtrack. Like if they could do that and just isolate the audio or the dialogue, it'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I bet it would be fascinating. I bet it would be unwatchably boring. I'd probably still <laughs> like it because I, you know, I know all the dialogue of Star Wars. What, so. if, they, what if they put like, um, like Calypso or circus music in the background? <laughs> oh, yeah, some sort of weird music. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right. So all of that gets us to... The Force Awakens, right? Unless you had right. any final thoughts on what we were just talking about. No, I, I said what I had All to right. say. Um, so I never really had any preconceived notions as to what the next three movies would look like because uh, Return of the Jedi kind of closes the book. Yeah, it really does. Um, the Death Star's destroyed. The Emperor's killed. Darth Vader's at peace luke has saved his father leia and han are together ewoks are dancing everybody's happy even lando he's down there he's dancing yeah um so you know it 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 it, that's i went into obviously so i think the big win for star wars uh force awakens was the fact that you watched it and you're like oh all right this is star wars yeah like all your i think expectations were so low (laughs) <laughs> and people just wanted to see freaking Star Wars, and then they went to see this movie, and they're like, "Hey, that's Star Wars." Yeah. Um, but but as far as like it being part seven, it to me it, it's almost like I don't know if it even needs to be part seven. It seems to me it could just be I don't well, know, it's, it's, Star yeah, Wars: it, The Next Generation. It's yeah, that, yeah. That that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly I've, I've, what I've it heard is, someone but, calling it a soft reboot. It it. It is, and, and we can we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But I just kind of want to talk about the movie before we get into that. Um, uh, so it, it's difficult. It, it'll be interesting to see um, how eight and nine. Like I'm hoping, I, I really am hoping that like eight and nine 
somehow tie us deeper into four, five, and six, or even one, two, and three. I don't care. Like I don't, maybe Snoke's got a relationship somewhere, or uh, I don't know. Like an event will be like this event is what create uh, something that just t- really? ties it firm. It doesn't necessarily have to be Snoke, but something that ties I it. F- disagree. Firmly. Really? Completely. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> I just think I hope that they stay away from the mythology completely and just build off of what they've already started. Yeah. I, except for except for answering a few questions that they've that they like. So there are there are some lingering questions that you're like. We really need some answers to these questions. Well, but I guess my point is that in order for in, for me, in order to be seven, eight, and nine, like I feel like it has to tie back to the other ones and, and not just like we're in the same universe because you can do the same universe but just call it you know anything else. I get that. And I agree with that to the extent that as a, it, sh- it probably you're probably right. It shouldn't be called seven, eight and nine. But I'm in you're kind of, you're kind of following the kid, you know, the children of the of the family. Right. And and maybe that's maybe that's your connector, right? Cuz we 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 don't know who Ray is, but we could speculate. We could we could say I we could say we I think it's, you know, probably Luke's offspring. At this point it could be anybody's offspring. But it could be. I mean, the movie the movie uh has been in my opinion so cleverly written um and you know that it wasn't uh just jj abrams sitting at his writing desk writing this whole thing down like he may have been kind of like the the man at the wheel but there was focus groups and boardrooms and oh yeah and and, uh (laughs) this was a movie written uh by a committee but in a good way like I, i think some committees would like just mire it down and you'd never get anywhere but these were all people that uh wanted only the best for this franchise in my opinion for this for this franchise well, I think they they looked at what they figured that the fans wanted by by studying the original trilogy very closely. They hired J.J. Abrams because J.J. Abrams is a master of recreating the tone of a film. Like uh, he proved with Super Eight that he could make a Spielberg film. Yeah, and I th- I think that's ultimately what got him the job was that they were like, oh, uh, and plus he did the Star Trek films, which I mean, so you got two things. You got this is a, this guy's a good action director. Yep. And this guy can recreate the tone of uh, a movie from the 70s. So he seems like the ideal candidate for creating the next Star Wars as the as the director. Yeah. No, I mean I uh, I've talked to some people who who have just hated Star Trek and I was like, "Really? Star Trek like Star Trek was great." <laughs> yeah, for all all of, all of its flaws of how it's not Star Trek, yep. which is which is completely true. It, it wasn't it's Star still, Trek. It's still a lot of fun. It wasn't Star Trek, but it it was Star Trek. Like I don't know, like the the uh, the, the feel was there. Uh, the characters were there. Uh, no, the characters were there, but they they took the characters. They took one or two things about the characters, and they made that into the characters. The characters had zero depth. They just had their best cliches, right? Which, which is, is fine. It works. Yes, which it is, totally worked. Now Star Trek. Two, on the other hand, that was a piece of garbage. Well, Star Trek Two, it wasn't a piece of garbage. I mean, have you rewatched it recently? Because I, I did, and it's still a lot of fun. It's not as good as the first one. <clears throat> the Enterprise is underwater. That's all I need to say. Like that. That's just <laughs> that. I can overlook that because no, that that's only the first ten minutes. Anyways, we're not talking about Star Trek. We're talking about Star Wars. Um, well, no, it's interesting that you talk about Star Trek Two or Star Trek Into Darkness because it was a. 
it was a direction that they chose that didn't work, which this movie chose a very similar direction, but it does work. Yeah. It's like what I'm talking about is Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. They yeah. kind of remade it as Star Trek into darkness. And that's not what people wanted. They wanted to see these characters do their own thing. In Star Wars, they did the same thing where they took a new hope and they kind of remade it into The Force Awakens. I except in this in this instance, it's exactly what needed to happen. Uh I I'm I'm going to slightly disagree uh so the into darkness they took the same characters and had them do essentially the same things that they did in wrath of khan and you know tim wrath of khan is just untouchable like it's it was done there's no need to ever do it again Mm -hmm. um they could have i guess had a a khan character but that's unnecessary they shouldn't have had a khan character but but they had spock and and kirk i mean they reversed their roles for the whole warp thing which was stupid and then he was (laughs) saved by triple blood which was also stupid uh no i that movie was dumb like they crashed the enterprise into the the planet and like spock does like a like a somersault out of the bridge and they they crash the enterprise in like every other movie yeah but they don't have the crew like somersaulting out of the the ship like i'm okay Nothing to see here. Anyway. Okay, yes, there was a lot of stupidity going on, <laughs> but in it was still it was still as fun as the first one. In that, you know, it was just these guys having a good time. Now, Force Awakens. A lot of people say it's a reboot, it's a remake of um, A New Hope, and and I will agree that it follows a lot of the same beats. It is a beat for beat uh, recreation it's... of the story. Yeah, it. it... Sort of, Not pretty much. I mean, I, 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 there are elements of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi thrown in there too. Yeah, look, I mean, but but it's different characters. Um, well, okay, but okay, yes, they have they they recast Luke, Han, and Leia as Ray, Finn, and Poe. Although we don't see much of Poe yet, right? They recast the droids as BB-8. They recast Obi Wan Kenobi as Han Solo. Yeah, All, you know, and it. it it doesn't matter because the way that they did it works. So okay, I just I think there are enough differences between what they did with Into Darkness and what they did for Force Awakens. Or maybe they learned their lessons from Into Darkness and they're like, okay, it's got to be similar, but it can't be like exactly the same with just a few differences. Like we have to mix it up a little bit more. But look, I'm going to agree with you, right? It was it was it followed a lot of the same beats there was some differences but you're right all the characters that you mentioned are the it, it was essentially, it was it was essentially the same story structure uh, yeah okay maybe which is fine i mean you know it I, worked so i don't care <laughs> yeah i i think yeah okay you're right i mean yeah i there was you know maz the whole maz thing that was like a a, a different like they kind of veered off to do that thing like that I don't know what what does that scene uh, what recall? Is, uh, uh, well, it recalls the cantina. Well, okay, yes. When they walk in, and there's all these weird aliens, which was it's an it's it's a it's a uh, an obvious homage, obviously, or or even copycat if you want to. But what was really impressive to me is it really looked like all of those aliens were in makeup. I think some I, of them were CGI, but there was it seemed I like there was a lot a, of them were. I think there was a lot of practical effects going on there, which I thought oh, yeah, was very the, cool. There's, there was a ton of practical effects. So, yeah. All right. Fine. So, okay. You're right. Put it in a blender, all those movies, and yes, you get Force Awakens. All right. So, now that that's out of the way, and I don't, and I, again, I don't care. I mean, I have talked to with a lot of people that are like, 
Force Awakens is just Star Wars. It's dumb, and I don't want to see it. I'm like, well, you know what? It, it's that's the thing is though. It was it, they they it totally works. It does it it it. They're giving the fans exactly what they wanted, and what they wanted was Star Wars. So they took the original Star Wars and they remade it. They did enough things to make it so that it wasn't exactly the same. It doesn't really matter that the plot structure is the same because we're learning to enjoy these new characters. And we get to use it's kind of a genius idea to bring the old characters in because they introduce us to the new characters. The whole purpose of the movie was to get us back into Star Wars with a whole group of different people. I, and it, it succeeds 100 percent. Adam, I couldn't agree with you more. I that, I mean, you you practically took the words right out of my mouth. Like this movie being uh, directed and written the way it was to follow almost the same footsteps as A New Hope uh, was the shot in the arm that the franchise needed. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I just reset what you said, but it, I have thought the exact same thing. Like this needed to happen, and and now I think uh, eight and nine can can do their own thing. Exactly, in, which in, which which but, is I so hope that they do their own thing and don't continue this path of of recreation. So in a Star Warsy way, like there's there's a way that these movies kind of work. Like there's a lot of coincidence and uh, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> in, in all of the movies, there's a lot of coincidence, and that that that's part of that's part the, of the everything the that happens is a coincidence. Yeah, uh, but I guess what I was saying earlier, so like I don't want. Uh, the second movie to be Empire Strikes Back, and I don't want the the well the ninth movie to be Return of the Jedi. But what I what I was saying in order for it to be like seven, eight, and nine is I, I'd like there to be a hook that like brings us back to like, and I don't know how they would do that. Like it would take a well, much. I, I I think the hook, and I'm speculating because I have no idea, is going to be the stuff that we know but we don't know how it happened. The hook is going to be why did Luke end up on that island? Right. Why did uh, Kylo Ren turn bad. Right. And I think that's what's going to be the connection to the original trilogy. And those those things better be really well written and well thought out because uh, these are some major things happening. Yeah. Like like this kid born of Han and, and Leia, uh, spoilers, uh, <laughs> Kylo Ren. We already said that. Spoilers <laughs> has already been done. Is, is a total twerpy, like... You you would not think that the child of Han and Leia could end up this way. So the explanation for that better be really freaking good. And the explanation for Luke Skywalker abandoning all his friends and living alone on Isle Island, that has got to be really good as well. So right. I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, it better be good. So I want to talk about a couple of things that bothered me. Okay. Now, the first thing that bothered me is is basically the very first thing that happens in the movie, which is you get you get the crawl, and the mm-hmm. crawl ends with uh, we've sent our most daring fighter pilot to meet an old friend. Okay, <laughs> and so you get you're like, oh my god, who's the old friend gonna be? You know, you see BB-8, you see the pilot, and you're like, oh, he's gonna go meet the old friend, and then it's this random old dude, and you're like, who's this guy? Now, the old friend. Now, again, now this could have e- this is an easy thing like uh, they're probably saving lando or they're not going to use lando i don't know which but they could have used um wedge right couldn't wedge and tillies who was the x-wing fighter throughout the, the the three movies couldn't he have been the old friend i i think you're looking for something that's too easy 
I think that whole old friend thing was ex- to do exactly that and make you think, oh, who's this going to be? And then it ends up being somebody that we don't know. And but- he's, he's dead. So he's not even like an old friend that later on we're going to find out like he's dead. So to me, it was like, wh- why won't you just go for the easy win and just you, you don't have to show us Han or Chewbacca or Luke. Or, you don't have to show us anybody. Because it's 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 the old Star Wars th- uh, thing of putting us in the middle of the story without knowing all the everything that's going on. So you you don't know who this character is. You don't know who either of these characters are, and you re- like you realize right up front, okay, this isn't going to spell itself out for me. And I just, that's why that's why I think they did that. I don't. Know. I just think that if it would have been uh, Wedge or some other character that was in some of the other movies. He can still die. Like the whole thing can happen exactly the same way. But you're like, oh my god, it's Wedge. Oh my god, he's dead. Oh, that sucks. Like I really. Oh, oh yeah, that you can't you can't kill off a canon character in the first ten minutes of a film either. Sure you can because he was such a minor character. And, and he, I don't know, man. You get that same guy, and he probably would like. You want me in a fourth star? I'm in. I'm in. I die, Ren. That's fine. The they I think that I don't know that didn't bother me. Uh, they hired a, 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 a British actor who's who's fairly well renowned, Max von Sydow, which pays homage to the uh, tons of the British actors that they they hired uh, for the original Star Wars. It 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 has a connective tissue there. Um, well, speaking for, of the British, every, like everybody on the Empire is British. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like you know from it from you're right from from uh, casting point of view you're you're you are correct it does definitely pays homage to how they cast those original movies but i don't know maybe i was just looking to be get my 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 i don't know just like my star wars punch like in immediately like well your star wars punch that they gave you and maybe it wasn't a punch enough for you is when he says she will always be royalty to me and you're like oh he's talking about princess leia Woo. yeah but then i don't know Maybe I'm just looking too far into it. Like maybe it could have been like one of the people that was on the what was it the Tantive for the the ship that gets sucked up in uh, A New Hope. Maybe it could have been one of those people. I guess one could assume that Darth Vader killed all those people, but uh, I don't. know. Anyways, that that was my first thing, and and that's so minor that it's not like the movie's ruined. But <laughs> I was just hoping for like a cameo, uh, which didn't happen. Uh, the the second thing that kind of bugged me, and, and maybe we'll get like a, a clear connective answer in eight or nine, was the whole treasure map to Luke. <laughs> I I I get it, right? Like they needed Luke is gone. Where is Luke? We got to find Luke. How are we going to get our characters to find Luke? But I don't know. The whole treasure map thing was just like somebody made the map, presumably Luke uploaded it to the computers and then made this missing chip and gave it to the old friend for some reason. I don't know. It's like, yeah, which, which I, leads to the... I want to be found, but just not for like 30 years. So here, I'm going to put together this treasure map and go hide. Oh, and which, R2, I need you to turn off for 20 years. Yeah, that's the part that bothers me is where R2 wakes up at the end of the movie so that they can have a cliffhanger ending. Look, here's the map. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so there, there's a, there's a scene in Ray's little jedi dream where somebody with a metallic hand pats r2 on the head i think i think it's safe to assume that that's luke it's probably safe to assume that that's luke like feeding him the map and maybe that's a scene from like oh my god uh uh, kylo ren's gonna kill me because he's crazy so 
hide this and you'll know what to do at the right time. I mean, maybe that's going to be what the explanation is. And, you know, I would probably actually be satisfied if that was the explanation. Oh, man, that would not satisfy me. <laughs> I'm easy. Like, like I said, it's all about like coincidences and like, uh, you know, easy explanations to things. I mean, that's all, all three movies are, are that way. So my... I don't, I can't. I don't really disagree with that one, but I will say for the like for the, for following the story structure of the original Star Wars, they needed a droid to have plans. <laughs> yeah, and and so those plans are the map to Luke, and maybe it's cheesy, but it it follows the original format. I, and again, I also think that that was just a little too on the nose. Like the plans were hidden in R two. The plans were hidden in BB-8. Well, Again, that, it was well I mean, ex- it, it was well executed. It, it, yeah, fun, it was absolutely but, on purpose. So right, but a little too on the nose. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a third thing that bothered me, but it's escaping my mind. A lot of people talk about the Star Killer as like, oh, I got another Death Star, but that pays homage to. I mean, Star Killer was a name from the original Lucas scripts. Right. Um, I think actually in the Timothy Zahn books, there was a star killer base that oh, absorbed really? the power of the sun and blew up planets. I want to say that that was in the Timothy Zahn book. So I, I heard that there was a, uh, a base that absorbed the sun in one of the, in one of those books. I don't know if it was the Timothy Zahn trilogy or not. I've re- I haven't read those in so long, but yeah, I think that I, I read somewhere that a lot of the, the plot points were very similar to a lot of the now non-canon supplemental reading and yeah the, the whole the whole star killer thing didn't didn't bother me because it was like you, you need a way for these characters to to do the things that's going to make you you know be like them as star wars characters and fine another death star let's just do another death star get all the characters and and then things can happen ray can do jedi stuff uh 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 What's his name? Uh, Finn can do some sword play stuff. Like we don't know if he's a Jedi. We don't know his origins, but he's he's somebody, and we get to see that. And then of course we get to see Kylo Ren and Han's interaction, which has to happen. It could happen anywhere. Might as well happen on a Star Killer base, right? Um. Oh, I know what the other thing that bothered me was the whole Resistance thing. Like, yeah, that <laughs> that I have a problem with because I don't like I never really I don't I still don't know what's going on. Well. <laughs> Like resistance to what? So it at the first time I watched it, I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Right. Because at the end of Return of the Jedi, you know, the the um, the Empire's crushed. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the way that the special edition makes it out is like the instant the Death Star blows up, like um, uh, Coruscant is like overtaken and is now the New Republic. And of course, like in reality, there would have been like an uprising, a civil war and all that sort of stuff. And and years would have gone by before like a new government could have been formed. But anyways, that all being aside, um, it's assumed, although maybe that's not correct, that, you know, Leia and the rest of the politicians would would rebuild the new republic and get systems and whatnot to join them. And that they would be kind of the domine- dominating political system in the galaxy. Right. Which leads you to believe that the First Order would be the actual resistance. Exactly. Like, Leia cannot be a part of the resistance because she is what would be being resisted. But if, so, you, if you read the crawl, it says that, like, uh, the First Order has been gaining traction with systems. And that's led, uh, you know, Leia to... to form the resistance or something and and it's kind of like it it does kind of say it in the crawl but it's just like really like we just like the last movie we saw 
was the the empire being toppled. And you're telling me that in 20 years or however long it's been, like they rose and fell already? It's not entirely clear in the same way that it's not entirely clear in A New Hope that Senator Palpatine dissolves the uh, old Republic. Well, what do you mean? Because in Star Wars, he's like, oh, we already got rid of them. Right. Which which we totally understand now. Okay. But it, it's in in the original thing it was kind of like a i don't even know what he's talking about i guess you're right uh i guess you're right the emperor has dissolved the senate fear this battle station will keep them in line blah blah blah, blah. Right. yeah you're right so I, on first viewing or back in the 70s you're probably like i don't know politics i don't know what they're talking about but man this movie's cool laser beams <laughs> so back then you know it was, we didn't study these things with a fine-tooth comb whereas nowadays it's like Every line of dialogue must be understood and interpreted. So I just I wish that they wouldn't have referred to uh, the rebels as the resistance. Or... I agree with you. I, it, it's it's not. So I guess what we have to understand is that uh, the republic is the the resistance is not a part of the republic. But although I think obviously, it is. obviously Leia is is a part of. Uh, let's say by the time of this movie, the republic. And the First Order are equals. And that the guess, resistance yeah. is something that has to be separate from the Republic because the Republic can't be seen as this kind of terrorist group that is the resistance going against something as big as the First Order. I, I don't know. It's, hey, I, it's, I, it's complicated and it's we don't understand it, but it's irrelevant. It, it is. It is, and it isn't. Though, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna make it a story point, I, I feel like you owe it to your audience to be like, this is what it means. Like, I feel like they could have gone. Well, one- the, a new hope didn't. So yeah. y- you don't necessarily need to. I don't think this worked as well as it did in a new hope, where you get a throwaway line of dialogue that the old republic has been dissolved, over, yeah. and then they ended up making three movies out of that line. Right. Right. But. Um, it doesn't work as well as that. I guess I wish, but, it, but it's a different day in a different age. So I wish that um, the, either the resistance, uh, not the resistance, but the new order would have been sold differently in the crawl, like uh, some spacey word for terrorists. And uh, I, I, I agree. I, I think the resistance is a confusing term. They and, should have come up with something better. Maybe even in the crawl, you could, it could have been like Leia not wanting to, you know, tangle politics with action, form the resistance to, 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 to direct, to directly take on the first order. And then, okay, all right, I guess I can. And then what you just said makes sense. Like we've got, Oh, it's kind of like uh, the new republic is repeating the sins of the old republic, where it's becoming too mired down in bureaucracy and it's inefficient. And because of that, the first order has risen. And Leia's like, God, again? All right, fine. We're going to start a resistance, but this time we're going to deal with it like immediately. Like, we're not going to wait like we did last time because that sucked. Uh, but little did they know that by the time that, you know, uh, they were able to get around to, to finding more information, uh, Starkiller was built and then they blew up Corsican, which which also was a little weird because it was like, what are they doing? Uh, that plant, is that Coruscant? Is it blown up? Like, is the, yeah, what, is it the was government never really overthrown? spelled out. We kind of have to figure it was because we've seen that 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 planet in like three movies now. However, if you, I mean, watching the movie three times, like at least by the third time, there is enough. I uh, here's what I'll say about watching the movie three times. The movie is so densely packed with 
not just action, but uh, bits of information that I didn't get at all on the first two viewings. And, yeah. and, and so by the third viewing, I was like, I think I picked up most of this now. And uh, there's definitely some lines of dialogue that says, we're going ki- to we're going to destroy Coruscant. We okay. are destroying Coruscant. Coruscant is destroyed. Like those three. But without ever actually saying Coruscant. Yeah, they say like the Republic or the New Republic okay. or the Capitol or something like that. I don't remember exactly. They don't say Coruscant directly, but you you get the idea that we're going to do this. We've done it, or we, we're doing it, and now it's done. Did you recognize the they they do like a close up of a girl as Coruscant is being destroyed? Did you recognize who that was? No, but I read on the internet that it's I don't know who is it. It's Martha Jones. Oh, really? Yeah, from Doctor Who. Was she supposed to be there? I well, mean, it's it's not the character Martha Jones, but it's the actress. I think that'd be kind of cool. It's like she was, out, was the character. She was well, out. Then she was probably rescued by the doctor. <laughs> she was out on a mission for Unit and somehow ended up on Coruscant and right before it blew up and the doctor saved her. Yeah, yeah, yeah about that. Um, <laughs> so again, I'm I'm kind of like nitpicking through the weeds here, but honestly, uh, just to discuss some positive things, like the way the the way the movie opens, not so much with the the Poe old friend that battle thing like that needs to happen for everything else to happen i actually didn't really care for how it opens with that little battle scene i wish it would have opened i don't know a little bit more uh magnificent or large i don't know i don't know how to explain it like none of the other movies really open that way i mean you always open on the empire it seems and then cut to the good guys um but that wasn't a huge deal i really liked ray on on uh the planet Jakku. Uh, did it have to be a desert-like Tatooine planet? I don't <laughs> think it had to be. It could have been anything. Um, but, I mean, I guess in order to try to repeat history, they, they made it a desert planet. But don't... I mean, you got to admit that when you saw, like, the crashed Star Destroyer and the toppled over AT-AT, weren't you like, oh, my God, this is amazing? Well, yeah. I mean, we saw we saw the Star Destroyer in the trailer, and, and that's when we were like, "Whoa!" Right. And then and you didn't see the ad ad until the movie, but then you get that you get a close up of Ray for a while, and then we get a long shot to see where she's uh, sitting. She lives and, in uh, an ad ad, and that's <laughs> like, "Oh, that's awesome!" So I guess there must have been a big battle at Jakku, and I believe it's in that latest game for PS. Four and oh, Xbox 360. Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, I think the Battle of Jakku is a part of that. I, I mean, I, I, I love that scenery because what it really does is it spells out like, you know, when the Death Star was destroyed, like the rest of the Empire fell and, and like, you know, I, I don't know, they ran out of money, they were taken out by the rebels, something happened and all of these things um crashed and i wished i guess i wished i would have we would have gotten a little bit more detail or backstory on like what happened to the empire after return of the jedi how long did it take did somebody well, we else might. like you, you might you're right we yeah, might still there's a lot of a lot of possibilities um and then of course everything that happens you know uh, the, the the finding of the millennium falcon all that stuff and then of course i noticed it immediately and i'm sure everybody else did but like the the radar dish that's on the millennium falcon being rectangle rather than circular i was like yeah <laughs> right because in return of the jedi lando bumps it off on the death star i was like that's attention to detail somebody watched those movies and they're like we got to change the radar dish so yeah i, I loved all i, of I it. honestly did not notice that you didn't <laughs> oh my god it's a rectangle and and actually no. the lego sets that have come out for force awakens they also have the rectangular radar dish rather than the circle one hmm. that that's just like a, a detail it was like somebody they get it they they get it oh yeah 
They want the people that were paying attention to notice this and like, oh my God, <laughs> they they heard me. <laughs> Not that you ever thought about like, I wonder what ever happened to their radar dish. Nobody ever wondered that. But you see this and you're like, something happened to the radar dish. Um, and of course, uh, you know, meeting up with Han and all that. I didn't really care for the, the, the giant beasts on the spaceship so much. Yeah, the Han sequence was a little bit weird, I thought, too. Although the, the fun part of it was... Finn and Ray underneath walking back and forth and stuff like that. That, that. that was fun. All of it was well shot. The dialogue was fine. I just, you know, I don't know. That that to me, that is not Star Wars. Uh, I don't know it why. It is now, baby. You well, know, it is now, right? But to me, that's not like what should be in a Star Wars. But whatever. I'm not in charge. But all all things being said, you know, Chewie was Chewie and Han was Han and, and the scenes between uh, Ray and Finn, those were all good. And we needed that to happen, I guess, to get them all on the ship off to, to Maz's to, to continue the rest of the story. Easily the best acted Star Wars film ever. Oh, yeah. All of the performances were pretty solid. Um, I wish they would have given um, Carrie Fisher a little bit more to say. Eh, maybe the next movie. Maybe. I, they kind of left... The, all the older characters to have very little to do in this one. They were they, they were really only there to to provide a connection and to introduce you to the new characters. Yeah, which was smart. Yeah, I just I wish Leia would have had a little bit more. I didn't I didn't know if it was. Uh, I mean, I don't know what she's been in recently, but maybe maybe they didn't think she was up to the acting, or maybe she didn't want to do much, but she was there for the paycheck. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't think any of that. I, I think that you, they just that they they had a role that Han had to play, and they had a role that Leia had to play, and they had a role that Luke had to play, and they knew what that was, and they 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 accomplished it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, and then you know the the force dream that uh, Ray has. Um, I'm, there's got to be like I'm 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 waiting. I'm hoping that those scenes will be like expanded in subsequent movies. Uh, and I hope that we get to, to hear, uh, like maybe Maz was, uh, dating one of the Ugnuts from cloud <laughs> city and they retrieved, uh, Luke's hand with a lightsaber in it. And they're like, Ooh, let's take this. Or, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to know the story about how she got the lightsaber. And I have to imagine that they're going to tell that story. Oh, wait, isn't that lightsaber? It's the, the one that Luke, Luke builds in Jedi? No, it's the blue lightsaber. It's the one that he had on Cloud City when uh-huh. Darth Vader cuts his hand off. And it goes wow. flying down that air vent. Talking about attention to detail, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, his one in Return of the Jedi was green, which uh, I would assume he still has because he didn't lose it in the other movie. He threw <laughs> it aside a whole bunch, but he kept picking it back up. <laughs> So again, stuff like that was just, you know, filled with, with great detail and you're like, and care for the story. And, and you know that, I, at least I hope anyways, they revisit all of those scenes and they, they, they expand. Uh, and I don't know what you thought. When I first saw that whole force dream, I was like, what the hell? What's going on? This isn't Star <laughs> Wars. <laughs> but then on the second viewing, I listened and I paid closer attention. I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. I actually kind of like what's going on here. Yeah, I didn't have any of those feelings like... Uh, this isn't Star Wars. Maybe a little with the Han stuff, because um, yeah, it felt more like it, it felt like more like other science fiction, I guess. Yeah. Well, but it, yeah. I I think it is. It's. I think I think Star Wars can kind of embrace any of that stuff. Yeah. And and work it in. Um. Yeah. And so you know, whatever the rest of the movie, I don't know how much more there is to really talk about. I mean, it's all it's all good. I mean, 
the the couple of standouts with uh, Kylo Ren, I really liked. I thought. Do you, do you feel like, and I've I've heard this, people say this, that Kylo Ren was kind of what they really wanted, like what George Lucas meant to do with Anakin Skywalker, and ended up making him a creepy, <laughs> gross little uh, a creepazoid. Uh, it, it, that um, Kylo Ren was a much better way of doing that. Uh, have you heard anything about that? No, I have not no. actually heard it. But I will say that if you cast Adam Driver as Anakin and you put a different director in that seat, I think you get a much better result. Yeah. Uh, but no, I I I don't I don't think that. I mean, I thought he did a he he had a grandfather issues or, or whatever. I really yeah. liked how he was written to be like, you know, uh, Luke kept feeling up like a slight tug towards the dark side right. uh, and you know he's talking about how he feel i feel it i feel the and he's talking about the slight tug to the light side and i never thought about that that's again taking a a force idea and not saying it's many chlorians but like <laughs> if if one can be like pulled towards the light or the dark side why can't a bad jedi or a sith or whatever you want to call it be pulled towards the light side so that to me was like ah oh, that's brilliant. I never thought about that. And of course, so he's wrestling with those demons, which of course, you know, comes to its ultimate uh, culmination with the sound, the, the scene with him and Han, when he's saying like, I want to, da- I, I want to, and I don't know how, if I, if I can. And he's talking about, he's talking about, um, he wants to expunge the, the desire to be on the light side. But we all right. think, I want to expunge this, the dark side from me. Right. And and then of course you get the payoff. Uh and I whatever, I won't spoil that. But you get the payoff and uh uh you know, it's like you're you you watch it and you're like, "Oh, my, I didn't see it coming." Okay? Maybe everybody else did, but I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I I knew I I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew there were only like two or three ways it could go. <laughs> Right, and you, you're so all So when it when it happened, I wasn't like, "Oh man, I did not see that coming." I was more like, "Okay, they made that choice. Good on them. <laughs> I was, I mean, I was okay with it. I was like, yeah, good, good for them. They made that choice. But I was also like, that's, but because like going into this movie, uh, I had stayed away from as much speculation and spoilers as possible. Yeah, me, me too. Uh, but inevitably I had heard that somebody dies and I had heard like Luke dies, Leia dies, Chewie dies, Han dies. By the time I got into the movie, I had heard that the entire original cast died so i didn't know who or if it was going to happen as a See, matter i didn't i didn't hear that anybody died as a matter of fact like before the movie not like right before but a couple of days uh my daughter was like han dies and i was like whatever <laughs> and even with her telling me that and i got to that point i was like oh i guess i spoiled it han dies <laughs> um I, I got to the point i was like oh my god i didn't see that coming but the other it thing totally mm-hmm. makes sense because, and I didn't realize this until the second viewing, but Han is Obi-Wan. Exactly. Right. And he needs, he needs to die so that the other characters can, uh, have, have a, have a reason for continuing. Well, he's, he's Ray's Obi-Wan. So now Ray right. has seen this, uh, Han, though the difference, and then maybe this is just slight, like Obi-Wan started a quest, like we need to go find Leia and we need to do this mission. And then he dies. Han's like, I need to get you to the rebel base so that you can have that droid analyzed or something. And right, because Han is Han. I mean, we get a cool, like, uh, it was a really cool moment for me when, as a character arc, 
Han now believes everything. Right. Like, and, and he says it's, it's all true with the right. Jedi, the force, all of it. And it's like, this is, this is a Han Solo who has grown from the Han Solo that we saw previously. And that was kind of cool. Oh, very cool. I totally And, agree. Uh, and that, and that's where he be kind of, kind of becomes the mentor and he, he kind of takes on a, a, a sort of fatherly role to her. Whereas I don't know if Obi-Wan ever took on a fatherly role to Luke, maybe a little bit. Sort but of, you know, when you rewatch, uh, it was more like a mentor sort of thing. Whereas, whereas Han was more of a fatherly sort of thing to both of them, to Finn and Ray. When you rewatch uh, A New Hope, you see that relationship between Luke and Obi Wan develop very, very fast. Yeah. Um, but yes, they were trying to recreate that, and I, and honestly, if you put the two together, the relationship between Ray and Han, I think, is a little bit more fleshed out than the relationship between Obi-Wan and Luke. Um, but what yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would agree with that, but uh, I feel like it, it was, it's, it's, uh, no, I don't know. I, I, I would disagree with that, but I don't really have uh, anything that's, that's to say. okay. You to, totally to can because there's many more years of uh, Star Wars than there is uh, Force Awakens. But yeah, I don't know. That's just, just my own opinion. But getting back to, to Kylo Ren real quick, like I liked how uh, he was – you know, portraying himself as a Darth Vader-like figure. He was imposing, he had the mask, he had the costume, and he had the gravitas. Uh, yeah, and then he turns out to be a twerpy kid. He Then he turns out, he takes his, there's that one scene where he's in front of Snoke without his mask, and the other guy, the captain guy, whatever, he comes in, and uh, Kylo kind of like double takes very, very slightly, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not wearing my mask. Like, he, <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, you really see him like, oh, Oh, I'm being dressed down by Snoke, and here comes the guy, and this just isn't a good day for me. <laughs> so, and I really liked. I mean, it wasn't done uh, obviously as slapsticky as that, but it was done. Yeah, he's he's a like a, a spoiled, twerpy, overpowered uh, brat. That obviously Snoke, uh, whose name I don't like. I don't like that name, but whatever. <laughs> uh, has he? It really does seem like. He has found a tool in Kylo Ren, and he intends to, at some point, use this tool. Yeah, I, I, I've, I, I speculate, or I've heard speculation, or both, that in the next movie, Kylo will have completed his training, and he will be uh, different. So here, here is an interesting. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the comic about? Uh, why Chewbacca missed Kylo Ren? No. Okay, it's it's you know because uh, Chewbacca's he been, didn't miss him though. He shot him. He didn't kill him. Okay. So Chewbacca's been shooting people with his bowcaster all all movie, and he's not really been missing. And even Han's like, "This thing's awesome." Well, there's the scene where where Kylo kills Han, and Chewbacca sees it, and he's got a clear shot, but he hits him in the gut rather than like his head or his heart or what. He doesn't kill him. He just kind of wounds him. Um, the comic like shows like if you think about it, Kylo Ren is Han's son. Chewbacca is Han's friend. One could say that Chewbacca spent a great deal of time with young Kylo Ren, raising him and babysitting and playing with him, and developed a kind of an uncleish relationship with Kylo. And then at some point, with like ben. with Ben, right? And then at some point, Ben turns into a teenager and he gets all angsty and his emotions start flaring up and, and maybe Chewbacca is the only one he can listen to. And then ultimately he turns to the dark side. So the comic kind of portrays like, if you think about it this way, Chewbacca probably had a very close personal, almost familial relationship with Ben. And when it came to like, you killed my best friend, he looked at him through the scope of his bowcaster and was like, ah, 
And then he hesitated and then shot him in the in the chest. It was a it was like yeah, yeah. like I don't know if that's what the writers intended, but it's a nice. My nice explanation spot. is much simpler. His best friend just got killed, and he moved really quickly, and he missed the shot. Okay, because he had a ton of emotion running through him, and he you know he wasn't really thinking; he was reacting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it, right? I mean, they're not going to kill him because he, he's needed for at least the next movie or maybe even the next two movies. But I don't know. Just a lot. I, I guess what it shows is that there's a lot of people that are looking already, right? The movie's only been out for a few months and people are already like looking at the deeper meaning of all of these things, <laughs> much like they've done with A New Hope and uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi. And nobody has done any of that with Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and Phantom Menace. Oh, yes, they have. <laughs> no, they've, they've <laughs> reimagined a different movie, but they haven't looked into, like, why? Oh, my God, yes, they absolutely have. They, I mean, they, you, you, may not have, you may not be aware of it. I'm not aware of it. Man, there, there is a ton of speculation on every little detail of, of all three of those movies, and it's... Not really worth reading, <laughs> but it's out there. Okay. I, I stand corrected, but are you sure they're not just oh, making man. fun of it's, it? No, they're not. I mean, like, re- remember the scene where uh, Palpatine takes uh, Anakin to the opera and tells him the story of the tragedy of Darth Plagius or whatever his name is? Oh, yeah. That's a whole big thing on the internet. Do a little search for that. and like, I have. Like, there's speculation. There will be articles upon articles. There's speculation that Snoke is Darth Plagueis. Which I don't, I don't buy that for a second. But. Right, because didn't Darth Plagueis teach himself how to cheat death or something? Yeah. Um, if they do tie that those things together, I'll just be like, yeah. Why <laughs> <laughs> bother? All right, all right, all right. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. So yeah, I uh yeah, and of course the 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 big scene at the end, Ray has to climb the giant mountain where I guess Luke has been standing for like the last 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I almost was like is he going to turn around and be like it's about time you got here because there's like no house. It looks like there's some offerings at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, maybe. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. But it's like what I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed like too like Monks have to climb a lot of stairs to get to their guy. Maybe we should make Luke at the top of the highest mountain on Mountain well, Planet. Yeah, I, I don't think he lives there. I think he was like, uh, today's the day. Oh. She's coming. I better go up. I'll, I'll make her walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If she really wants to find me, she'll climb this 900 sets of stairs. And really, for the end of the movie, like, I get it. They needed to, to, to show us the Luke thing. But God, that the whole montage of her climbing the stairs was like, all right, it, let's it, get to it already. It, it was definitely overdone, and then the camera starts swooping around with the crane shot, and I actually, you know, and, I actually, and and there's a hilarious bit where like uh, Luke does like a double take and kind of turns his head, and then they cut back to Ray, and then they cut to Luke again, and he does it again. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> I'll have to watch that. I don't recall the double take. I actually <laughs> liked the swooping camera shot. Eh, okay. I, I just thought it was just, it was too much. It was, a, yeah. I mean, it was like, this was the final climactic end and we're going to swirl around. You know what? You know what? It wasn't, it wasn't the swooping shot that I didn't like. It was just that that scene took forever. <laughs> it, it did take forever. It, it just went on too long. Well, and then the, and and then the double take where Luke like turns his head slowly and looks at the camera, that's just or looks at Ray, and they did it twice. It's just so silly when you notice it. 
I guess when I and I will watch it a fourth time. I just don't know if it'll be in a theater. I'll have to watch for that because, I mean, you got you got Luke. You gotta you can't just be like, oh, hey, here I am. You gotta do something. Well, yeah, he's got you know, and, and it's great. It's a knowing, telling look where he slowly turns and faces the camera. Yeah, but but then but then he does it twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, JJ was like, we need more Luke. <laughs> like his contract specifically says he needs 60 seconds of airtime. Have him do the double take again. All right. And and maybe they don't count the first one because maybe that's when he fully turns around. And so he does it. So it's just weird that the second time they cut to it, he kind of does it again. Okay. I don't know. It was just weird. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. All in all, though, I mean... I loved it. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I am I am jazzed about the next one. Uh, and I was I was prepared to go in and be like, meh, whatever. I'll go see the next two, but meh. But I I I left. You know, the first one going like, you know, because here let me let me just back up a second. When uh, I left Phantom Menace, I was like, I think I liked that. <laughs> and then I watched it again. And I was like, yeah, I think I liked that. And then when I left Attack of the Clones, I was like, I don't. I don't think I like that, but I'm a little tired. We stayed up for the midnight show. I'll have to see it again. I saw it again. I was like, no. Nah, well, that, well, that like one was like, ah, oh, Yoda fought. Oh, man. No, we not got to see Yoda with a lightsaber. Not me. I hated really? that. Oh, I hate uh, it. See, I hate it now. <laughs> but at the time, I just remember the, they they did it fairly well. It was presented fairly well, and and it was it was exciting. And uh, something we'd never seen before. Yeah, all I could the think pin, of... The pinball stuff is really annoying. The fact that Count Dooku is super tall is really annoying. <laughs> I, all I could think of was... Uh, again, it goes back to my perceptions of like, is it cool that Yoda has a lightsaber? I guess. But in my mind, Yoda... And I guess this is 20 years of me thinking about it. Yoda should have been such a uh, practiced... Uh, Jedi master that he's able to just use the force to protect himself uh, and not necessarily even need a lightsaber. Well, I agree. They should have not done any of the lightsaber stuff. The the stuff that they did either it was before or after that with the lightning where uh, Yoda catches the lightning. That was good. I like that. They're, and they're tossing stuff around. Yeah. That's, that's all they should have had. That's yeah, all they needed. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, I, I have always felt that about that that whole scene. Do you need some good lightsaber play? Of course, but keep that for Obi-Wan and Anakin and, and whoever else. Yoda should just be like, I got the force. Like I've been working on this thing for 700 years and I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, Revenge of the Sith, like your, 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 uh, your, your standards were so low that you're like, this is the good one. We just <laughs> saw the good one. <laughs> I want to see this again. Cause this was the good one. But you know, you watch it for a third or fourth time. You're like, nah, it's not very good. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I had expected to leave Attack, uh, uh, Force Awakens being like, I don't know if I liked this, but I left it and I was like, I'm pretty sure I liked it. And then second and third viewing, I was like, yep, yep. I mean, I've got my couple of problems, but I'm, I can overlook all of that because this was yeah. an enjoyable any, 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 ride. Any problems I had are, I had, they're, they don't even matter. Exactly. I, I totally, even though we spent a great deal of time talking about <laughs> some of the problems I had, uh, I can't overstate that it's it's pros way out outweigh the 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 little cons that I had. So there you go. Uh, that was our Star Wars po- uh, uh, review, I guess, or conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, you uh, never asked for it, but we delivered. Yeah, it's right. And and I think we spent much more time talking about the prequels 
and Force Awakens uh, than we did on X-Men Apocalypse. Go go see X-Men Apocalypse? I guess. I don't know. When when that comes out, we'll talk about it. But it might not be right away because I, I might not see it opening night or opening week. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I'll probably, I'll probably see it opening weekend. Yeah. But definitely not opening night. I'll see it. I'll see it in the theater. We'll talk about it. But, you know. We'll do a podcast about it. We will. And, and listeners. And, it, and we probably won't talk about Star Wars after the end of that one. Uh, unless there's, you know, like a rogue leader trailer. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. All right, there we go. That that was that was one for us, Adam. Yeah, You've, that was totally just us because we we hadn't talked about it. No, you you listeners get the benefit of listening to our very first unrehearsed uh, conversation about Force Awakens. We haven't yep. we haven't spoken a word about it other than did you see it? Yup. Did you see it? Yup. And that's it. Yeah. So we got real on y'all. Well, co- kind of real. We're recording a podcast. It's not really real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. Shut her down. Um, I just want to. I want to say one last thing about the Force Awakens, please. Um, I really liked the new characters. Oh, I guess we didn't even really talk about them, did you? (laughs) No, we really didn't. And I just, I just, you know, I just wanted to say that the new characters were really good, and I really liked all of them, and I, and I'm, and I'm quite excited for their adventures. I totally agree um i wish we would have seen more about poe because it really seems like they want him to be a main central character uh as it was we didn't get to see much of poe and he's he was he was great actor and he was the right fit for everything that he was doing um poe or i mean finn of course like now you're kind of like that introduced like we didn't even talk about that i guess like right like the the stormtroopers aren't clones they're like being plucked out of various systems i guess maybe they are loyal to the first order or maybe the first order is kidnapping these kids or something's right. going I, on I, I guess in a parallel to the way that the jedi are started from children the clone the the, the stormtroopers are taken away from their families as children and raised to be warriors. And I kind of like the that because, you know, one of the, and I think this came, this is all post or, or non-canon or, or, or book stuff, is, you know, the reason the stormtroopers were such bad shots is because they were clones and they were degenerating, so they couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> right? That's kind of, I, I think that's an accepted canon, even though it's not said in any movie anywhere. It's just kind of <laughs> said off film. So if you accept that as how the story goes, then it, it and maybe the fact that the first orders like broke uh, because they spent all their money on a star killer, they can't afford to to make a whole bunch of clones. It makes sense that they would be a little bit more uh, uh, terrorist or, or aggressive and, and steal children, or maybe they even have contracts with parents that are like, as soon as that your firstborn is ours, and and it will give you protection or something like that. Like I'm really curious to see if they will continue. Uh, giving us information about why they got rid of the clones or why they're doing this whole firstborn or uh, kid thing that they're doing, not necessarily firstborn. And then also, you know, where where did uh, Finn come from? And is it too obvious to be like, it's Lando's kid? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably too obvious. But, you know, Star Wars is a universe full of coincidences. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, one also has to ask, like, uh, does is Billy D. Williams interested? Or is, is anybody uh, interested I, in Billy D. Williams? Well, Billy D. Williams. I saw Billy D. Williams at a Comic Con recently, and he's absolutely in, in interested. Of course, but, he is. But but he has not been approached. Okay, and that that very well could be just either the studio doesn't know exactly what they're going to do next because they've opened up all these storylines, 
uh, as possible places to go. And maybe, you know, even announcing that, like, we've cast Billy D. Williams is like, oh, spoiler. Right. So we may not even know if Billy D. Williams is cast until, like, you know, the movie actually happens or we get closer to that. Who knows? Or, or maybe they just don't want to use him, which I think that would kind of suck. Like, I think you need to bring Lando in. Although, I don't I know. I think they will. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a callback to Empire. They're going to bring Lando in in the second one. Right. Um, and then, of course, uh, Ray is, is the biggest mystery. Is she related to the Skywalkers? Is she related to uh, Han and Leia? Was she, was she put on this planet to hide her away, much like Luke was put away uh, on the planet to be hidden away? You know, they don't. I would say that the studio doesn't know yet. <laughs> Which direction they're well, going to go? They're already filming the second movie, so it's it is quite possible that they do know. Are they? I thought they had just finished casting it. No, they they started shooting. I think maybe they start shooting in February, but I know the script is done. Oh, okay, all right. Well, then 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 you're right. They probably knew. They probably do know. Because oh. there was there was a tweet from uh, the guy J.J. Abrams' friend who plays Snap who said, J.J. read the script, and he said, oh, I wish I was directing this one. Right, and I guess that's, for those that don't know, J.J. is not directing this next one because he said, Star Wars takes over your life. Yeah, and I, sure, I, mean, I imagine it's true. Especially with the movie that they created and the, the script that they pumped out, I'm, I'm sure it took a good chunk of his life to to work on that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, good, good, good uh, on you to call out the, uh, the the main characters of the movies and how uh, interesting they were. And, uh <laughs> You know, they they the they weren't really they're not really all that one dimensional. I mean, I guess we've only seen a little bit of what makes them motivated, but um, I don't know. But it's in the same way that in Star Wars, we get introduced to these three characters, and they get thrown into situations, and it's not until Empire and Jedi where we like Empire, we learn who they are, and right. then Jedi. We're just happy to be back with the gang. Well, and we also see him grow a little bit, too, in yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, in Return of the Jedi. And you're right. Empire, we, we meet them. Return of the Jedi, we see them grow, and then, then the story ends. But it almost sounds like with the way that they're talking, like this thing may never end. And there may be <laughs> a new Star Wars movie every 18 months until right, it no yeah. longer makes money. And that's, <laughs> that's you know, one has to wonder, like, are we going to get Star Wars fatigue I mean, obviously, movies like Rogue One and Han Solo probably aren't going to capture everybody like Star Wars has. Anything with a Star Wars moniker that's like eight or nine will probably get the main draw. But if you release like a new Star Wars movie every 18 months, I think you're going to see diminishing returns on that. It's like the superhero fatigue. You're going to get Star Wars fatigue. But that's, you know, you know, I, but, but I guess you bring up a good point. Like we've we're we're already in like year ten or whatever of uh, Marvel Studios, and they're they're going strong. Yeah, that that truck ain't slowing down. No, it's not. Right. I mean, you saw the trailer for Captain America, didn't you? Yeah, it looks crazy. It looks great. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure the next Avengers movie is going to be equally fantastic. So, all right, there you go, everybody. Go see Star Wars. Yeah, it was good. And, and maybe X-Men, I don't know. Yeah, that, you got a while for that one. Oh, and Deadpool. I guess Deadpool comes out. Oh, yeah. Never been a big Deadpool fan, but I'll go see it. Yeah, I'll probably go see it too. Uh, do we have to do a Deadpool? Maybe, no. I guess I guess we should do a Deadpool review. You know, that I, I see that more as a post-episode. Saw Deadpool, how, it was all right. How about the, the fans decide? If we get 15 <laughs> Setting the listeners... Bar high. 
I'm setting the bar high. <laughs> if we get 15 listeners who want us to do a Deadpool review, and, and let, let's face it, most of you didn't make it this far. <laughs> exactly. So in this episode, these guys are talking about Star Wars. <laughs> um, then then we'll do it. Okay, fifteen listeners, and we'll do a Deadpool review. Otherwise, we're not going to do a Deadpool review. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. Um, until next time, my name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And this danger room is closed.